Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Latrice Ferguson, and we are so happy that you have tuned in once again for another edition of our podcast, Interruptions. We believe that the magic happens in an interruption. And if this is your first time listening to us, what we mean when we say an interruption, that's where we feel like the magic can happen. So an in- incident, an issue, a situation might come up, and then you have some time between that situation and how you're going to respond. And that's the magic moment. If you have the tools within that magic moment, within that interruption, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to give you those tools so that in the interruption, you have the things you need to react. My name is Latrice Ferguson, and I have two wonderful guests here with me. One is Yvette, my colleague, who we work very closely together. Want to say hey, Yvette? Hey, everybody. And two, we have a, a extremely special guest that we're so <laughs> privileged to be talking with today. She is the Associate Dean of the Office of Student Integrity. Bonnie, you want to tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, I have been at TechNi for three and a half years. Um, I am in student conduct. That's kind of my area of student affairs. Um, that I specialize in, but um, overall I've been in the field for about 14 years. I truly enjoy what I do and love having unique opportunities like this. Nice. Where were you before tech? I was at Georgia State before that in a uh-huh. very small private school, Northeast Tennessee, nobody's ever heard of, so I won't even bother with the name <laughs> for a while before that. <laughs> awesome. Where are you from originally? Originally from Akron, Ohio. Oh, nice. My oh, husband's nice. from Ohio. Yeah. Are you a Buckeye fan? I am. All right. Go Bucks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, ladies. So has anybody ever said to you, Smile. Fix your face. Why are you mad? <laughs> What's wrong? The short answer? No. No? <laughs> Nobody's ever said that to you? No, more like, why are you always smiling? Why really? are you always so happy? Interesting. Interesting. It's just the right opposite. It's usually like, smile. What's wrong? What's going on? So, why do yes. you look like that? <laughs> I'm fine. It's just my face. <laughs> yes, it's just my face. So that's what we're here to talk about today. Yvette, a while ago, maybe almost, what, two years ago? Yeah. Um, we were talking about facial expressions. Do you want to talk a little bit about how this sort of came up for you? So you said two years ago. I can't remember two days ago. But let's see what comes out of what I'm about to say. Like, let's see what comes out of my mouth. Um, So two years ago, I believe um, this stemmed from the conflict management class that we have. Um, There's an exercise in the afternoon where we do some role playing. And it's a hit. Like, people really enjoy it. And I started really noodling on, can you manage your facial expressions? Is there a way that I could come up with some type of content and we could have a learning experience where people could walk away feeling like they have a little bit more control over how they show up their face. Um, so we started having conversations about it. I did a little bit of research and I think that's where we landed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when she brought it to me, I was like, that's really interesting because for me, my entire life, people have told me to fix my face. And I'm like often thinking like, how, how you, how, how are you supposed to do that, right? Mm-hmm. How are you supposed to do that? Bonnie, what what experiences have you had with facial expressions? One or two camps, personally, I will say that. It's either, you know, what's wrong? It looks as if something is wrong. And usually it's because I'm concentrating or mm-hmm. thinking through the other piece. Or the other piece of it is if I'm in a, a meetings with students in a situation that I just need to be 
quote-unquote more professional mm. um i often will be very stoic and and it's i try to recognize what environment i'm in and respond accordingly with my facial expressions mm -hmm. so it, it's definitely been um a battle um to, to learn that um i'll give a little context of that is when i first started working in student affairs and i had come right out of undergrad um, into a position and one of the first things that my supervisor would do with me is she would make me sit in the room with her and she would throw out all these outlandish things that people could say or these situations or anything that I could possibly be dealing with at any point in time and make me sit there and just stare at her. I wasn't allowed to react to it. I wasn't allowed to have a facial expression to it. And she was doing it on purpose because as a, a, a live-in you know, student affairs professional, you are going to get everything thrown at you. It could be two or three in the morning. It could be in the middle of the day. You never know what's coming at you. And I, there are stories for days, but... Um, I, I was appreciative of it because that did help me to recognize in more of those situations when I really want to laugh at something, not to, it's completely inappropriate, <laughs> yes. or when it's a situation that I need to have command of myself in order to, in order to help others calm down, mm -hmm. I can do that now, respond accordingly, but it, it's, it's a battle because mm -hmm. there's many times when, and you all will be able to, to concur with this, we work on a campus, mm -hmm. we have 18 to 24 year old college students as our base as undergrad we mm -hmm. have a lot of graduate students as well but they, they don't make the best decisions all the time mm -hmm. and it's really hard not to respond by just laughing because it is funny but it's inappropriate sometimes to laugh at it and you don't want to encourage the behavior so mm -hmm. trying to respond in a way that lets them know it's not appropriate mm -hmm. and here's what you should be doing but inside I just want to turn around and walk away because it's taking everything within me not to yeah. just laugh sometimes interesting so this is very interesting so I was doing a little bit of research about it and one of the reasons why we have Bonnie here is because one of her colleagues we were just talking right randomly and um i was like we're trying to do this um <clears throat> podcast on facial expressions and that colleague not to be named um, <laughs> said i know someone who does that really really well and i was like who and she said bonnie and i said do you think it's an art or is it a science and she said I don't know, but she does it really, really well. <laughs> so that's when we were on the quest to try to talk to you. So now it's interesting to know that you actually practiced in some, in, you know, particularly when you're working with students. Yes. Okay. Yes. How many times did you all do that? Oh, all the time. All wow. the time, especially, um, I was, when I came out undergrad, I, you know, at that point, I think I may have literally turned 22 the day I started the job. So I was very young and I was straight out of college. So to me, you know, I'm still this little green person walking around campus, just happy to have a job. Because, you know, you don't want to graduate without a job. <laughs> Hello. That's what you go to school for. <laughs> exactly. Contrary to popular belief of so. <laughs> oh, gosh. And, and, but all the students were my age. Mm, I wasn't yeah. that much older than they were. So really trying to help distinguish myself and understand what it meant to be professional in that particular environment. Mm -hmm. I understand there's going to be standards of professionalism everywhere that you go, but in that particular environment, and due to my age, and the fact that I was like, even to this date, I still don't look my age. Mm -hmm. So... Mm -hmm having to battle some of those things, what I could do was control at least my facial expression. And talking about it being a science or an art, I think is an interesting argument, mm -hmm. you know, for, for lack of a better word, because there are people who just have that naturally, just a stoic face and it never changes. Mm -hmm. And they respond to every situation that way, that way. And then there's others who make a concentrated effort at it. But I think more than either, either way, 
it's either you're going to have a person who knows how to respond to it or a person who has practiced mm-hmm. in how to respond to it, I think. So I think it's a little bit of both. Yeah. Um, that mm-hmm. is just naturally some people have that face and others, it's they really have practiced knowing that. Right. Well, um, we'll link um, an article that I read to this podcast. But in that article, it talked about um, two theories. One, it said that emotions kind of like happiness, surprise, disgust, fear, sadness. Um, typically, there's a representation of what that looks like Mm -hmm. but they said that those things are not universally recognized Mm -hmm. so thinking about the fact that we work on a campus with lots of different nationalities lots of different people from lots of different places it's interesting to know that that theory states that it's not universally recognized so you could basically show a picture of sadness and somebody else may think it's something else Mm -hmm. right and then secondarily it says that um Facial expressions are not a reliable reflector of people's emotions. So given what you were saying about conflict management and how you talked about, was it 55% of what is communicated is non through nonverbal? Yeah. Layering on the fact that that nonverbal might be misinterpreted, think about how that plays out in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So... Just kind of thinking about what you just said, um, if the interpretation of someone's facial expression, I think that's dangerous if you think about it. Um, workplace, outside of work, um, if I am only left to my own devices to try to determine what your interpretation of something is by your facial expression, and then I get it wrong, that even makes it more difficult, you know, to understand. I think that one of the things about that percentage in the conflict management class is that it talked about facial expressions communicating 55% of a message. So when you're communicating with somebody and you want to translate a message to them, they get more than half of it just off of what they see. But that's their perception of what they see. And so that's half of it that's already lost or gained by what they see. And then to think that I may have whatever I am showing on my face mean something to me, but it means something different to you. Yeah, or people like me who I don't even really realize what my face is showing. I'm either perplexed by what you're saying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I think what you're saying is ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) or extremely interesting or that, right? But I'm not, I don't think that I'm in tune with what my face is showing all the time, Mm -hmm. right? So then you layer on top of that unconscious bias that people bring to the workplace, they bring to their experiences, and then it makes it even more complicated, right? So what do we do about it? Like one, I guess we should start with when you're disconnected from it, when you don't know. What what can you do? What tips can we give the people? Bonnie, you're the expert. <laughs> um, I, I, this is where I think the, the verbal communication is even more important. If you're truly not um, understanding or comprehending what the message actually is, or if you're looking at someone and you don't think the reaction that you're getting is one that should be given to whatever you're saying, then ask the clarifying questions. It's okay to say, you know, can you tell me, you know, how you're feeling or how does that resonate with you? Just getting that clarification and that understanding. Um, I remember having um, in a, a master's course and, um, an accounting professor that that was not my strongest subject. I fully own that. Um, accounting <laughs> was not my strongest subject. Um, and I was always just self-doubting and trying to figure out if I was understanding what he was saying. And he was just this older gentleman, was very gruff, knew his stuff, though, and wanted you to know it as well. And I gave an answer to something. I remember looking at him, and he just looked me 
you know, square my eye and say, stop playing poker with me. And I kind of stopped and looked at him for a second and said, excuse me? <laughs> and he said, stop playing poker with me. He said, quit reading my face to see if you're right. Give me your answer. And I think from then on, I really was cognizant of the fact that I was doing more of the reading your body language and listening to what you were actually saying because mm -hmm. I'm trying to figure out if I'm on track or if I can actually pick up on what you're saying or I was looking everywhere for details that honestly in that moment didn't matter. So I, I really I keep that with me a lot where I, I always want people to know exactly what I meant when I walk away from the situation. So even if you're reading my body language and it's giving you a non-emotional response to anything, I'm going to tell you whatever that emotional response is, or I'm going to tell you whatever it is that I want you to know so that you don't walk away misinterpreting me as a whole. Mm, that's interesting because I find that story made me think about an interaction that I had on campus with someone that I had never interacted with, and they were pretty senior in the organization. And first of all, I walked into that situation feeling a little bit insecure, I think, already. And this person gave me nothing. Like, I'm telling them what I'm going to do. They called me to ask for my expertise, which should have been in my mind a flag. Like, hey, they really may think you know what you're talking about, right, or whatever. <laughs> but that person's face was just, I couldn't get anything from it. So I'm like, you know, does that make sense? Does it, you know, and I still, like, got nothing. It wasn't until I walked away, I talked to that person's assistant, and I was like, is, are they like that all the time? Like, I just couldn't get a read. And she was like, yeah, that's just the way that person mm -hmm. is. And I'm like, okay. She's like, but she likes your stuff because she's using it. I was like, oh, okay, well, thanks. <laughs> 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 mm -hmm. So I wonder in some ways, does that, you know, in that situation, maybe that person could have given me a little bit more or I could have been more confident. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going I with that. I think we're but. often, especially in those situations when you're with someone who is, you know, in the hierarchy of things, mm -hmm. ranked higher than you, you're looking for some reassurance that what you're giving or what you're contributing is valuable. Mm -hmm. so I, to me, I, I completely understood that story because I've done the same thing where I'm <laughs> give me something, give me something. Mm -hmm. But uh, it's also going back to that piece of you wouldn't have been called if they didn't think that you were going to be able to provide the information mm -hmm. they need or the resources that they need. So yeah. just trying to think through that piece of it and not necessarily the interaction mm -hmm. as the reassurance of, okay, I did provide, you know, in that moment what was needed. Right. So I think that probably, I think like what we're talking about, using your words. So mm -hmm. you have to use your words in the sense that, let me tell you the full uh, breakdown percentage of what I was talking about before. So 55% of your facial expression is communicated. And then after that is your tone. So if you can't get it by what you see, then think about what you hear. Again, everything we're still talking about is the perception of the other person. Mm -hmm. So how you perceive my tone and how Bonnie perceives it could be completely different in this exact moment, mm -hmm. which is why the words actually are important. They only communicate 7% to this study that we talked about, but they're still going to come in handy given the fact that facial expressions are, are learned, right? We don't come into the world knowing them. We learn them. My baby has learned how to smile. He didn't know how to do that when he first came in, but he now knows that in social settings, it's appropriate to smile to get the reaction that he wants back, which is us smiling back and being super excited to see that smile, you know, the gummy smile from him. Um, but he didn't know that initially. But so you when, ain't tell him. But he saw me. Mm. It's a reflection of what he saw from me. So the, you know, baby, what? I don't want to do it on the podcast. <laughs> but that makes me think, though, because you have a son. Mm -hmm. I have a daughter. Mm -hmm. And... 
I like try to mask some of the imperfections that I have from her. But like she pick them up by osmosis. Sometimes her face be like, <laughs> you can't see it on the podcast, but it's <laughs> like right, a little mad face or a little like. Has she seen it? I'm sure. Look, I'm her mother, <laughs> who is unaware of what my face be communicating a lot of times. She's she's learning yeah. that that you know when I see my mom with that facial expression that translates into this certain you know energy that she has. So when I feel that energy, I'm going to translate that same facial expression. I'm typically lots of you know happy smiley faces with him, so he wants that energy back. He shows it to me. Mm-hmm. So, are there good reasons we should attempt to align our inner state to what is reflected on our faces? I'm going to give the usual student integrity answer. Okay. It's a gray area. (laughs) (laughs) And I say that because there's certain situations where you can be vulnerable and can provide all the information as to how you're feeling and your emotional state and the reasons behind certain things. And there may be other areas where you don't feel as trusting about it and you don't feel you can be as vulnerable. And you're not going to give as much information and just want to communicate verbally the facts and the very, you know, bulleted points that mm-hmm. you can, um, is what I, I tend to look at, um, situations in which you're wanting to be a little bit more transparent, but maybe you can, but even more so looking at trying to read emotion, trying to give the emotion, um, non-verbally or through your, your facial expressions. But I really think it's the environment that you're in and how trusting you are with that level of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. I I mentioned a little bit about this idea of unconscious bias, and it made me think of another um, situation that I was in actually here on campus. The person who hired me here got to know me pretty well. So she knew that if I was quiet or if I was, I was likely reflective in thinking and trying to come up, you know, process in the moment. And someone else gave her some feedback about me that I seemed disengaged. She was like, no, she's a very engaged person. I really think what you saw was her really trying to problem solve and think through in the moment. And she gave me that feedback. And I'm like, hmm, it's interesting to know coming from the person that it came from why you would immediately go to disengagement as opposed to something positive. So I also think those biases tend to come in when you already you know, I present in a certain way mm-hmm. and then you expect something from people who present like I do. And then you don't. And it's like, you, what story are you telling yourself? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's always important. I think when we think about an interruption, right, it's always important for us to always assume good intent. I feel like regardless of what you were saying, you know, something about you started out with, like, ask the question. What are you thinking? What, you know, I think that's also a tip that you can use in that time when you have to make a decision about somebody or you're trying to process, like ask the question, use your mm-hmm. words, right? I, I There's a thought that's coming to me about this as we're talking about it. So there are kind of two different ways to look at this, right? Obviously, the person that is trying to manage their facial expression and then the person that's trying to interpret the facial expression, right? So for the person that's managing the facial expression, I think a little bit about Bonnie, right? Like, Go sit in a room and have somebody like shoot out a whole bunch of different things. See you, Latrice. Let's do that. Yes. And see if that solves your problem. But then I also think about it from the standpoint of, I um, mean, we talk a lot about this in our classes. Like, what result are you trying to achieve? And I think that maybe that will translate a little bit more in your interactions if you can really think about, like, I may not like what someone just said to me. 
but what am I trying to get out of this interaction, this, you know, conversation that we're having? And if I want it to be that we walk away and we never talk again, maybe, you know, that will come out in my facial expression. And if I want that, you know, that I want this uh, um, business agreement or I want this professional relationship, I might have to make a different decision about how my facial expression shows up. And so I think it's a lot about awareness, like being aware of yourself and managing those emotions that show up on your face. And it's hard sometimes to do that when you feel, you know, like you, I know you personally, Latrice, you're a very passionate person. And I think that that's why sometimes you might get a little disconnected with your facial expression because I feel like from experiencing you, I can tell how you feel. I, I don't have to guess. Like, I can look at you. You can look at me and tell? Absolutely. Ooh. I can. <laughs> In a good way and a not so good way. But I feel like, from what I've come to know about you, like, you're okay with that. Like, you you want to be a transparent person, right? So you kind of got to think about what result are you trying to achieve. Maybe you are in certain environments a little bit more open to that transparency than in other ones. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a it's a thought that we don't typically give to something like this. We're not, we're not thinking about before we go into a meeting, well, what, you know, do I want to get out of this? And so we just kind of go in and let it happen. Mm, good stuff. So lastly, there's an article, and I don't know if you ladies have heard about this, but there's something that is called resting bee face. Have you heard of this phenomenon? Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes, yes. So for the purposes of this podcast, we'll call it RBF. Yes. As not to offend anyone, right? And so this article, I will also link this article in the um, podcast at the bottom. Um, but it says, scientists have discovered what causes resting bee face. <laughs> but the thing about it is I read the whole article and they still didn't tell me what causes <laughs> they um they really go into this idea about artificial intelligence and how um probably students on this campus right now are somewhere coding a robot with artificial intelligence, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And so then they use these standard faces, the smile, the happy, the standard, you know, faces to use to code their their robots. But then if you want to think about the advanced um, technology of artificial intelligence, it needs to be able to read those facial expressions and actually get them correct. Mm-hmm. And if we as humans can't do it, I wonder, can a robot do it? <laughs> I am not a STEM right. teacher. <laughs> so, uh, I have to recognize that in my response, but I, I just, I think through, you know, RBF being a thing, and that's just, it's really to me come about the last couple of years mm-hmm. where I think I've noticed it more as a, a trendy word, but it's generally, to me, it is often assigned as a, a, a trait assigned to women, mm-hmm. and I then start going further down the road of, like, to me, it's almost as, it's classifying a natural reaction to somehow get someone to be nicer. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I really have dissonance with that because I already struggle with the whole concept of women need to present happy and bubbly. Smiley. Yes. No, we don't. You know, we have, we have serious moments. If that is your nature all the time, then be serious mm-hmm. all the time. You know, that we all present differently. We shouldn't have to present as this happy, bubbly person for other people yep. to be happy about it, whether it be another gender, another identity. We don't need to um, 
present a certain way for everybody else to be comfortable. Just take it at face value. And exactly what you said earlier, Latrice, of just take it with good intent. Just ha- assuming some good intent. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always have to be packaged prettily with a bow right. um, for it to come off with the same thing. To your point, like I said, people have always asked me, why am I always so happy? Why are you always smiling? So that's not the end goal either. Because they're still not satisfied with exactly. that. Mm. <laughs> what they want to do, right? right. I, I hate when, like, I'm walking across campus or something, and a guy will be like, smile, what's wrong? <laughs> I'm like, you really about to get a frown now, for real. Well, I'm supposed to walk around, like, mm-hmm. at some point, I was reading something, like, you should chew gum or have a mint in your mouth or something mm-hmm. so that you, I guess, if your mouth looks a little bit open... <laughs> But it goes back to this, you need to make adjustments, make other people happy. Other people happy. Exactly. But Depend upon the result you want. I knew you were going to say that, right? (laughs) So it really depends because when we come, when people come to our classes all the time, they'll say, well, I, you know, they want everybody else to do something for them as opposed to taking the ownership on their own and our philosophy really is if what you are doing is working for you keep doing it but if it's not working for you and you want a different result Mm -hmm. you can decide what you want to do I have a relationship right now that comes to mind every single time I'm teaching and I feel like it's probably the universe trying to tell me that I need to deal with that situation Mm -hmm. but I ain't gonna do that right now (laughs) (laughs) I don't feel like it (laughs) but the point is is that I haven't gotten uncomfortable enough Mm -hmm. do you know what I mean Mm -hmm. and so even still like while sometimes it might feel like I don't want to make an adjustment or I don't want to do something because other people expect it. I shouldn't have to do that thing because someone else expects it. No, and you have a choice. But if you're not getting the result that you want, you might want to do something a little bit differently. And I think it goes to facial expressions too. That's why, you know, in some instances I'm fine. Like you can think whatever you want. I don't really care. But other instances I care a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So I'll try to do a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So as we wrap up this podcast, any final thoughts, any final words, anything you guys want to say? I really, um, I, I guess what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to try Bonnie's tactic because <laughs> if it works and if it does you'll probably see on our schedule like a facial expression <laughs> management lab or something because yes, yes, <laughs> we want to give y'all tools for sure uh-huh. um, anything else come to mind either binary event whichever one I, I think using your nonverbal tools to accentuate whatever you're saying should, should for me be the goal versus have it replace what you're saying so just really being cognizant of that, that it needs to be in addition to, not in place of. Gotcha. Addition to, not in place of. I like that. Mm -hmm. And I think that for me, it's just kind of like, what is common sense is not so common. And so what is a smile is not necessarily a smile or what is a frown is not just necessarily that. I think just being, again, awareness, more open to the fact that there's more than what the eye sees um, a lot of the times. And if you can be open to that, I think that it will help us to talk ourselves from the receiving end of facial expressions. It'll help us to talk ourselves off the ledge sometimes because we can go home, you know, had a day at work and talk ourselves out of our job. Like we lost our job just because of an interaction that we had and what we perceived to have happened in that interaction. And it very well may not have been the case at all and usually is not. And I think that what we have to do until we have the secret sauce, when you know, if it's out there, workplace learning will find it and we'll bring it to you. (laughs) Until we have the secret sauce for facial expressions, it's about awareness, 
you know, using your words, communicating, just the tools that we already have. Nothing new and state of the art, but just the, you know, foundational things we already have. Awesome. Well, you guys have just been interrupted. Thank you for listening and look out for our next podcast.